Yeah, you know, you know, and especially if they him and Hall by releasing that footage, you know something was up. That's what happened to the Laquan McDonald case in Chicago. Man, Rom held that tape, bro. <laughs> oh, yeah, see, but Rom, Rom, you see, Rom was was locked in. Rom knew he knows that with his family being the way they are, you're not going to be able to do a whole lot to him. And he bought that seat, you know. That seat was uh, originally supposed to be for Jesse Jackson Jr. Really? Yeah, because yeah, Rock, okay, so when Barack moved up to president, his position was available. And there was a guy named Rob Blovovich in uh, Chicago, an Italian, I think. or No, actually a Serbian, American, white, real cocky white dude. I think he was the governor. Oh, okay. And he was was responsible with appointing whatever. What was Barack Obama out there? The mayor or something? He, he, Barack was a senator before he okay, started. Okay, so Rob Blovovich's responsibility was to appoint Barack's seat to someone else. Yeah. So Rob went to jail for this. He's trying to sell that motherfucker. <laughs> he was trying to sell the seat, you know? Like, you want this position, you know, you got a few dollars? I can let you get it, you know? So Jesse Jackson Jr. was getting ready to buy it and get in. And it, and then the news came out, so he didn't end up doing it. So Rob Emanuel, Rob Emanuel's peep, Rob Emanuel bought it. And he became the, the senator. But here's the thing with Rob Emanuel that people don't really realize how locked in he is. You ever heard of something called the UFC? The UFC. The cage fighting. Oh yeah, 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 absolutely. Okay, have you guys and your viewers ever heard of something called WWE? Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay, the, both of those. Now the WWE just got sold. Right. To Rob a man to a company called Anthem Sports. Let me ask you who something. Also real owns quick. the UFC, and these this this is owned by Rob Emanuel's family, let his me, brother. Let me ask you something real quick. I don't want yeah. to cut you yeah. off. Do they have anything to do with Ari Emanuel? That's his brother. Oh man, let me tell you That's something. That's what I'm about trying to tell you, man. That dude. That's is the guy a... that owns Anthem Sports, who oh. owns the UFC and WWE. Oh, he's a crook. He's a crook. He's a crook. That's his brother. Man, didn't know that. So he's locked in. Yeah. This man bought the WWE for five point four billion dollars. Well, wow, I, I got to send you some stuff on on, on Ari and uh, Emmanuel. It was something they uncovered about him. He was basically oh treacherous. He, he's treacherous, bro. He's treacherous. They had a uh, they had something on him. Um, Professor Black Truth talked about him a lot. He was talking about how like what's the dude that was kicking his wife's ass, but he ain't never do no time. He was in. He was into this uh this mm MMA stuff. You know what I'm talking about. He ain't do no he time. Beat up his wife. Beat the shit out of, smacked his wife up, and they just gave him a whole total pass. Oh, just recently. Just recently, Dana. No, nah, he didn't beat her up. He, he didn't beat her up. But he smacked her. But she smacked him first. Right. But what I'm saying is, and it's, it's on camera. But yeah, he's he's the um, he's not the owner of the UFC. He's the he's a front man. He's the pre. Yeah, he's a front man. He's, right. Okay. So so the point is, is what what they were saying is is. When a lot of these black athletes, they got into little issues with 
in the elevator with their woman or you, you you know who I'm talking about. Give me the athlete. What's the nigga's name? His his wife basically what trying is to it pull now? a fast one. There's the, he knocked the, her out in the elevator. There was a situation with a black man where his wife got his wife tried to get on him or something. She's spitting his face. She spitting his face. Okay. Now, yeah, Ray they, Rice. Now they ran Ray through. They ran Ray Rice through the mud, but they didn't well, do it he, today. Ray Rice's life. career. Ray Rice's career was ruined because of that. He never played another down of football. And that's my point. Dana White, he's back to business. Well, there's, I mean, totally, I mean, a little different. Here's the main difference is uh, Anthem Sports, which is owned by that guy, Amanda Emanuel family. Right. Um, they don't care about that. And then Dana White is the only, one of the only people who can do that position. And then she hit him first, and it's not like he – if he'd have knocked her out, that's a different story. You see, Ray Rice knocked her out and then drug her body out of the elevator. Oh, damn. <laughs> and then, yeah, but here's the thing with Ray Rice. Ray Rice was screwed over by the NFL. Politics is what ruined his career because he was going to initially get a two-game suspension. That was it. Then TMZ leaked the footage. Then they came down on the NFL, like, how could you only give him two games if you've seen that footage? So the NFL felt compelled, and they said, all right, well, we'll just suspend him for life. How about that? So, you know, Ray Rice got screwed in that in that way, and uh, his wife was apologetic. Realistically, his wife ruined his career. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. I heard What's she doing? That. Yeah, she was, I mean, he, he laid her out. In that elevator, man, he cold clocked her. Then he drug her lifeless body out of the elevator and into the hotel room. Yeah. So I mean, you can't. It's really hard to compare the two. I, you but, know, um, I, I, you know, with that, and see, here's the thing with that. People may say, "Oh, well, he shouldn't did this. He shouldn't did it." Bottom line, you spit in that man's face. You spit in somebody's face. You you bound to get your ass tapped. On top of that, right? If he, but but it, had he slapped her or you know hemmed her up, it might not have been as bad, but. He, I mean, he 250-pound man. He just knocked her the fuck out, which is, hey, it wasn't criminal. Well, and here's another thing, too, man. And this is this is something we're we going to have to open up the book of game on niggas on this real quick for the next 30 seconds. She has an entitlement issue. You with a million-dollar nigga, calm your ass the fuck down. I don't give a fuck what that nigga had. You, if, listen, if you, if you wasn't with him, you'd be with Pookie and Ray Ray. So, Thing is, is your life is augmented by this man. You, you, if you, if you had the nerve to spit in this nigga's face, folks have to look at this from, from an objective point of view. First of all, when someone spits in your face, that means they have the, they have the utmost, not even ounce of bit of respect for you. So, their issue as a couple, her spitting in his face, that wasn't, there was some other things that she done did that he should have checked her for a long time ago is what I'm saying. Because there's a certain kind of female that's going to, that's going to do that. You know what I'm talking about, bro. Like there's a certain, fi- that's hood rat shit. Ain't no woman going to spit yeah. in your face. You see what I'm saying? Like a woman might stab you. You know what I'm saying? Ain't nobody spit in your face. If you if you spit, you you know what a spit in the face means. A spit in the face means I will kill you. That's really what that means. That, 
99% of men in the world is gonna lay you out for some shit like that. Yeah, I mean that's just natural. Like you spit in someone's face, like because the thing is, if you if you if she would have slapped him or punched him, I mean it might have made him mad or something. But spitting in someone's face, like that's that's, that's frightening. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And for her to react like that, that'll show you that she wasn't scared of him. Right, so she didn't respect. So he him, wasn't so. no domestic abuser. She wasn't scared of him. Right, so, so she so, scared of him. She wouldn't even doing that. That's what I'm saying. So she, what it is, is she, some somewhere down the line of their life, there was some, there, there was major, major entitlement issue. There was major, major entitlement issue because she was think, drunk. Well, acting even, a fool in the bar. Well, 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 even that. But how did we get to that point? Is the point is like, like I said, bro. Like, but maybe I'm different. That's why. That's that's why, bro. I'm getting to the point. And I was talking to one of my homies. I don't know if you heard my last couple podcasts, but I said I don't want to now necessarily just discredit artists, or I mean, uh, discredit artists or celebrities as well. They don't have no say so, but they can't be our thought leaders. We can't have that no more, bro. We no, can't. We can't have. We can't have the rapping ass nigga or the nigga catching the basketball or whatever. We can't have our intent, our entertainers as being the leaders of the thought process because when you give the niggas the microphone, they don't sound like me, bro. When you give them the microphone, niggas start talking about some dumb shit. They start talking about stupid ideologies and they're not able to conceptualize the ideologies either. And if they're ideologies, they can't even, a lot of them ain't even methodologies. Ideology is something I can just come up with, but a lot of them ain't even methodologies. They're not even working, working concepts that you could get to get things done. You know, you, for example, for example, and, and I know you talked about LeBron to me, you, I was talking about my Tam- dog. When Tamir Rice was killed, they, niggas had to on on the internet had to get on LeBron's ass to say something. Mm-hmm. They had to get on this nigga's ass. It wouldn't have costed him nothing to say nothing. All it would have been is a little backlash from his handlers and white mommy well, and white daddy. But the thing is, here's is, the thing with that though: when they want to, you know, in the same way, someone like Brent Crump will have to sit back and see if there's a bag. A guy like LeBron, before he does that, he's got to sit back and, you know, make sure he's defending the right kind of person. So he's got to see the whole case through because he can get in a lot of lead, a lot of issues if he's supporting somebody and they come out that he's a rapist or, a, you know. Yeah, but here's Cause a whole lot of people, when they found out Floyd, you know, was it was in the drugs and uh, Floyd had raped a pregnant woman. A lot of people backed up off their support. Well, of when I heard, when I heard, when I heard that he, had, they they said that he had did something to a pregnant woman or pointed a gun at her. At her he stomach. raped. He raped her. He broke in her apartment and raped her. Hey, if hey, and see you. And here's the thing, bro. You you know under the Bagland Code of Conduct, I don't coast that serial hood hit of business right there. I don't co-sign that. So you know, but see, now you made the, at the, one time you made a statement where you referred to him as Fentanyl Floyd. They Fentanyl Floyd. 
Mm-hmm. Fentanyl Floyd. That's I was, what I was, some people call him. I was playing. That some, was his little street name, though. That's the thing that people don't realize. That was. His I know some name? people. I worked with some people that I would. One of my businesses, some of the guys I employ, is from that area. Like I knew the older guy that was witnessing. That. I knew him too. See, the thing is, Floyd was a hookup for fentanyl. He wasn't a dealer, but he was like a good middleman. Oh, damn. I didn't know that. Yeah, so his nickname was Fentanyl Floyd. That's his nickname on the blocks. Really? Yeah. Seriously? Floyd was a hookup, yes. Well? Floyd was a guy you could get a hold of, and he could get you some fentanyl. Oh, hell no. You know, and he'll get him a couple of one or three pills out of it, you know. Because he's going to charge you a little more than what it costs. He's a middleman. He was a middleman. George Floyd was a drug addict who raped a pregnant woman. The problem with the, the problem with the Chavez situation was is this dude was a known race soldier for doing stuff like that before. So yeah. the pattern we're seeing is whether it be some dope dealing ass nigga or whatever the case may be, the pattern that we're seeing is we're having race soldiers that, for example, you have like them guys down in Memphis. You ain't hearing nothing about them. Them coon cops that beat up the black dude and they held him up and was beating him and all this kind of stuff. They pretty much Rodney King the nigga and killed him. You don't hear anything about that anymore if you notice. You ain't heard much. I may have to investigate that again, but... Well. And getting ready to go to trials of Trump or Trump has got a 200 or 500 and something million dollar lawsuit. So you're going to be hearing a whole lot about it here shortly. Yeah. I mean, Benjamin Crump. I mean, there's a bag there. He, even though that's not race related, it's still pose. He knows police is a bag. Well, yeah. I mean, it's in it's, general, it's not right. See, when they talk about the race relation, they can always say, well, Hey, they're black. So that wasn't racial. But we know for a fact, nine times out of ten, when that came from the top, that came from a white man. That ain't came from the, and, and if it did not come from a white man, it came from a, it came from Muhammad Noor. So that's white enough. You see what yeah. I'm saying? So we, we we as black people, we know that we know to get down. But the dominant society and the mainstream media is going to identify it and use the narrative like, well, hey, that ain't black. Especially like the right wing think tanks, they're going to say, hey, that was black. You can't say this is white supremacy. That was black people. That was black people that did that. And you, you got Yeah, but couple, it's still police. It's still police. But you got some Negroes that's been been, been been pandering that too. Oh, man, ain't no, ain't no white supremacy, man. That was black people. That was just some niggas. But You're it like, was police brutality. But it's police brutality. And who started with police that's brutality? That's a bag. That's a bag. Crump. Ben Crump's going to be, that's a bag. If police, regardless of their race, kill somebody black, Ben Crump is right there. Oh, listen to this. Now, I'm on the, the Justice Department. Let's get back on this Rico Suave. They're saying that the feds, the ATF, the IRS, the Post Service, damn, U.S. Marshals, the DEA, Homeland Security, Man, they're all involved in this shit. Hell man, yeah. they're, 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 man, these dudes is, let me see here. They pretty much indicted all the bloods. Let me see here. Oh, 
Hold on, let's see. Jaybird. They got a. Yeah, they got some older niggas too. And they got some chick. They said that knowingly transfer firearms to a fella. I don't know why these chicks do this dumb shit. Straw buying. They'll buy a pipe and then give it to the nigga. Well, it's wrong. I, I, here's what I don't understand, bro. Like they'll buy they'll buy a clean pipe, but you know you're gonna give it to a nigga that's gonna commit a, a dirty act. Well, they like the same girls that like bad boys. Or I tell you, they like bad boys until they until the shit like that happens. They got they look. They got all the bloods here. All of them got possession with a pipe. I'm looking at them. They got a couple of them distribute cocaine, firearm possession, charged with a felon possession. Yeah, almost everybody is charged with being with having a pipe and not supposed to have a pipe. Everybody. Or every single yeah. last one. They got one dude that, that's uh selling crystal meth, drug trafficking. So they they hitting the bloods with the pipes and the trafficking. That's what they're hitting them with. Yeah, exactly. That, yeah, that that's what they're hitting them with, bro. And the lows or no no, the highs, they hitting them with switches, pipes. Uh one dude gets charged with a Rico conspiracy. Another dude Conspiracy to distribute. That's gonna hit. That's gonna be a fifteen piece and minimum. A lot of these dudes, they hitting them with the Rico conspiracy. Mm-mm. Yeah, it's coming. It's coming. Yeah, a lot. A lot of these dudes, all these guys over. Uh, let me see. Let me see here. Charging the high indictment. Fentanyl, possession of a machine gun. Man. Yeah. It's a lot of people, bro. 250. Two, Out of that 250, how many do you think are going to talk? 70. 70 to 80. And that's more than enough. 70 to 80. All they, all, all they really need is 10. All they really yeah. need is 10. That's all they really need. And this dude's right now, I, I think before this weekend over, I think they already got their 10. Yeah, but they don't want their 10 right now. Listen to this. Now, this was from three days ago. Hold on. Why is this Concerned neighbors in South Minneapolis demanding more from elected officials after a rash of robberies over the weekend. Our Bab Santos caught up with homeowners who showed him surveillance video of one of the brazen confrontations in broad daylight. So what's happening, Babs? Well, homeowners are very concerned, telling us today they are no longer walking outside with any valuables on their person, and they're no longer letting their kids wait at the school bus. Anxious homeowners who've lived near Lake Harriet for decades are alarmed and on high alert this week after a crime spree in the area over the weekend. 
Our homes are always locked. We drive our kids to and from school. It's not safe to let them go to the bus stop. Minneapolis police report between 10 a.m. and around 1 p.m. on Saturday, there were three robberies and two attempted robberies that appear to be related. Saturday in southwest Minneapolis was a complete lawless situation. Now, they're on Lake Harriet, man. I mean, these are some pretty decent houses. I think they said 47th to Humboldt and whatever. So, okay, they said they don't even let their kids out. So you... You got grown ass people robbing children. Yeah. Fuck them. You want to Rico them? Fuck them. I, I like. I, said, I, I don't play. I don't play about no kids, bro. I I, I don't Rico play. Man. I don't play about no kids. You want to Rico these bastards for robbing kids? Rico them. I don't give a fuck what they do to them. I've been saying that for the longest. I don't give a fuck. I don't give a damn what they do to. If you're robbing children, do whatever need you need Rico. to do. Dude, for all, I hate to say this, bro. They they could they could hop out the car and smoke their ass for all I care. I I don't give a fuck. I don't care. I if, need Rico. Yeah, if 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 you're if you if you're harming children, I got a zero tolerance policy, man. Here, especially on this podcast, bro. I have a real zero tolerance policy when it comes to harming children, um, robbing children, kidnapping children, or whatever. Whatever they do to you, man, they just do. Hold on, let me play this again. I don't play about that shit, bro. This is West 50th Street, Lindale, 12.36 p.m., 106. Man, please. Our homes are always locked. We drive our kids to and from school. It's not safe to let them go to the bus stop. Minneapolis police report between 10 a.m. and around 1 p.m. on Saturday, there were three robberies and two attempted robberies that appear to be related. Saturday in southwest Minneapolis was a complete lawless situation. Investigators say criminals used two stolen cars and approached people walking alone with the threat of a handgun in all but one of the crimes. Crimes that victims say appear to be orchestrated by children. A neighbor's camera captured really? this incident at 47th in Humboldt. These cars came roaring down here at high speed. One pulled over. Pretty soon his hands are up like this. At a virtual community meeting joined by hundreds on Monday, Hennepin County's sheriff, top prosecutor, and Minneapolis Police Chief Brian O'Hara gave an update. An extremely concerned O'Hara said negative reinforcement is almost encouraging the behavior, calling out a lack of accountability for juvenile offenders as the heart of the problem. We take them into custody. They're not being booked. They're being immediately released. If, if they're the driver, oftentimes they're given a, a, a monitoring device that we have seen several times that the kids then cut off and then continue to engage in the behavior. So without having any method of holding kids accountable, without having any support. Responding, County Attorney Mary Moriarty. We don't have enough appropriate facilities to put them in. We are working very hard to try to get youth the services that they need. Tonight, all of Let's these stop incidents this right have here. been okay. labeled Parenting, Phil, or Solomon, parenting, bro. You mentioned that before. Okay, what? These are kids now. I thought these were regular adults. These young whippersnappers doing this shit, man. Hopping out in these little janky vin minivans. Oh, yeah. Kids. I mean, what do you do? What do you do? They're kids. If you had a pipe and they pull it out on you, you might hesitate. Like, man, this is a kid, man. Oh, man, you try to carjack me, I'll shoot you right between your eyes. <laughs> I don't give a fuck. I'm not going to be a victim. That's some bullshit. And we all know that. Hmm. But they're recruiting kids. Oh, so you're saying 
Well, they mentioned that in the Rico. They mentioned that in the Rico. You know, all kids, you know, okay, you're 12, 13, 14. Your OG going to be, what, 17, 16, 17, 18, 19? Recruitment, if you in the set. That, that's my guess. Yeah. That's my guess. I mean, it's getting younger and younger. That's all it is, is getting younger and younger. Mm, man. I think it's a total joke. Man, that's crazy, bro. It is crazy. Excuse me. That 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 is crazy. That is crazy. It's a sad reality. What would you do with these kids as mayor? Well, you don't want me to run shit because the first thing I do is I'd make drug addiction illegal. So if, if I'd be, I'd have the police. If I was driving around, I'd instruct the police if they're driving around. You see any bums laying around, grab them, cuff them, bring them downtown. You got two choices. You can go to jail or you can go to drug camp. And drug camp would be eight months to a year in the woods. Hard labor. That's that Maricopa County drug, shit. Yeah, get them drugs out your system, get, get it out your mind, and then come back into the world. I would make drug addiction illegal. I would make not having a job illegal. I would make certain things illegal. I would make lameness illegal. Liquor stores wouldn't be open until five o'clock in the afternoon. You know what I'm saying? I wouldn't have them. I mean, what is the real point of a liquor store opening at nine in the morning? Who are you catering to? Yeah, I don't think I ever went to a liquor store that early. Uh, I have. I used to be an alcoholic. But who are they catering to? Hmm. Catering to drunks. Right. Right. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And then I would have a thing where um, there, there can't be more than one bar in a six block radius. I think it should be. And in every bar. neighborhood that has a bar has to have an educational center per bar. So if your neighborhood wants to have five or six bars, you better have five or six educational centers. Hmm. And that's how I do it. I'd make drug addiction illegal. No, you're hooked on fentanyl. You're going to drug camp. Now, what you're if they said? Camp. What if they said I ain't going? What if they? And you're going to jail. So you, so you going to jail? You got drug camp or jail? It's your choice. You can go to camp or you can go to jail. How do you want to handle it? But just bumming around and shit, that's over with. That's no longer tolerated. Now, now that's what how you, I play it. How would you do SSI in the city of Minneapolis? SSI, you have to some has to be d- d- clinically wrong with you, but you got to also take into account if you're doing that, Minnesota, Minneapolis, Hennepin County, specifically, is not going to get these big rich grants. Oh, okay, okay. You know, so you you know you got to take that into account too. Hmm. So if 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 I was running Minnesota. I don't know. I'd be thinking about them healthy ass checks that I'm getting for harboring these bums. No. So I don't know if I would. I would probably keep SSI, but I'd have certain regulations like you have to be. You're tested for crack cocaine and uh, street drugs randomly. 
Now, what would you? And if do you fail two tests, you're 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 out you're out of the SSI. Now, what would you do with? Now you mentioned you said a lot of people from out of town. Now a lot of people ain't gonna yep. like this, but we gotta we gotta keep it real. What would you do with a lot of folks? You said folks come out from out of town, start in trouble. They ain't trying to find no job. What would you do with them? I would make it just like how it is in the pimp world. When a bitch wants to leave one pimp and go to another, she's got to choose up. That means she's got to pay. So you want to move to Minnesota? I need 2000 out you. <laughs> you, know? oh, you got to choose up. That's a choose up fee. Choose up so you got to choose up. Well, you choose enough. You want to leave Chicago and come to Minnesota? I need two racks out you. Choose two enough fee. Yeah, two racks ain't too bad. No, you got to pay pay me 2000 Then you get to come to Minnesota, get to the SSI check, and then in about four or five months, you'll make all that money back. But you would you would have less. You would have more people that are moving here because they want the benefits and the help of disabilities than you would just the dusty lanes. Hmm. You'd have people that are legitimately sick and can't work, and maybe the state they're in don't give a fuck. So they want to get somewhere where they can get some legitimate help. That's one thing. But these dusty lanes are just coming out here because they ain't got no work ethic. You know, you got to deter that. So 2000 You ain't got 2000 Can't move here. I think, can't you know move what? here. That's fair. I think that's fair. Choosing because, up fee. Because, because, yeah, the choosing up fee. I, I agree with that. You know why? Now, some people say, well, that's wrong. I'm going to tell you why I agree with it. Because you pay what you weigh. You pay what you weigh. I, 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 think, I think that's fair. Because now what you do is, and here, what we do is we raise our standards. See, a lot of black folks feel like this. Especially in Minnesota. And you, you could attest to this, bro. Tell me if I'm wrong. A lot of black people feel like this in Minnesota. Well, as long as I'm just having me a Subway sandwich and a blunt, I'm just fine. I ain't got to do nothing else. But what that does is you have a lot of the hood rat whorehouse mentality where they'll be like, okay, well, I'll just get a Subway ass nigga that doesn't, doesn't, you know, he doesn't aspire to be anything besides just doing what he does. And now seven years down the line, he's doing the same thing got three, four baby mamas, whatever the case may be. And you're really not teaching nothing to your children, your legacy. You ain't trying to build nothing. You ain't trying to build no legacy. And you have Bushika and they procreate with Pookie and Ray Ray to make another Pookie and Ray Ray. And that's a problem. That's a major, major problem. You know, now I'm not saying, Hey, you know, go butcher babies. Don't go to Planned Parenthood. What I'm saying is, is that you need to pair up. It, it, you know, it should, it should be. Oh know. no! Another thing I would do is you would have force. You would force women to get their tubes tied after a certain point. If you're not producing, if you're you're just producing little pookies and little ray rays, and they run around here as little hellions, no, nah, you're done. You can't have no more kids. Okay, so basically, so basically, yeah, yeah, you either you either getting hitched. You either get hitched and, 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 and go down to that courthouse and get you a, get you a suitable man, or you ain't just gonna be having. No, if you want to have, yeah, if you want to have more than one kid, you have to have a trade. Hmm. As a female, you got to show me some kind of talent. If you want to have more than one kid, 
you have to have a trade and you have to pass a mental equivalence test. I got to know that you know what you're doing. Now, th- those you mental know? equivalent tests, are those going to be based off of basic intelligence or competence? Yeah, no, basic intelligence. We're not, you know, we don't need no arithmetic and, you know, all that. No, just basic. Do you know what's going on? Because half people don't. But, what, Do you what, know how to read? Do you know how to write? Do you know how to... Yeah. Comprehend, and we know what, what do you do if your son? Do you know how to check for your son's homework and do your homework with your son? Do you know how to do? You know, what I mean, slip simple things like that. Do you do drugs? You know, I would, and I would really be hard on crack and all that kind of shit too. You know, I'm locking, I'm locking people up. That's the first thing, and then like them lames that are like self-destructive people and they can't win in life. I'm just putting them away. Okay, so you're saying it's you just get time a, to go. So you got you got a guy out here to rob the old lady, and he's selling fentanyl and all that. You're saying that nigga got to go. Are you done? Are you done? I might, I'm, and I might just lock him up without a date. <laughs> oh shit! Without a, just, I'm just gonna lock you up, and every couple of years I'm gonna check to see what you on. If you didn't improve or anything, you know. If not, you know, I don't see any reason for you to be out. What are you doing? Well, you're out here robbing people. Well, rob people in jail. So basically, I'd be quick to lock people up, man. Okay, now, now, what would you do with shitty cuz? Because we got to talk about the serial hood here. The shitty cuz, shitty cuz, shitty, shitty cuz harm. I'd the, put him in. I'd lock him up with the six o niggas. Okay, so you that's that, that's who that's who you you give them to the six o's. You know a lot. I remember uh, who was it? Well, somebody online talking about how like. Half of the half of the six O's might have felt like, well, hey, Nip deserved it. And then the other half felt like he didn't. Cause you gotta think, there's a there's a lot of people, man, that was from there's a lot of people probably that was from his set that was like, hey man, put me on. And remember I remember oh, Nip I remember Nip said this himself. He said, Man, he said, I gave a lot of my homies the game. He says some of them surpassed me. I was like, damn. Right. He says some of them that I gave the game to, they went farther than I did. He says some of them, they just fumbled the ball. He said, man, but you, you know, can't force niggas to drink. He said, you give them the game, they want to take it and run with it. Some of the niggas took their money and they fucked it off. So exactly. shitty cuz was an example of that probably. He probably didn't pay attention because I know you. If you get around a twenty million dollar nigga, you gonna be peeping game and asking questions like, "Okay, let me drink this information up." You gonna be watching, you know what I'm saying? But he also had city cars also had mental health. Yeah, I mean, he might have had he might have had mental health, but he was smart enough to know that he was a hater. Well, I mean, yeah, but I mean, he, you mix that mental health in with that, you know, that's why you know a lot of. Because if you notice something, you went to a mental institute. Yeah, but that 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 I'm gonna tell you about that. This is what I think. This is what I'm thinking about that, bro. I think that was just like the political ploy. Because you got to think about who took his case. OJ, the guy that was on OJ Simpson. How could he afford that nigga? You got to really th- got to got to dig up and think a little deeper. Like, hey man, wait a minute. No, how he did, did you- it? Sometimes here, here's the two theories I was looking at with Christopher Darden. 
um, there's two theories. The one that I brought up earlier about lawyers that are looking to, you know, get popping and get hot, they'll take certain K high profile cases for damn near for pro bono. Yeah. You know, so that could have been one reason. Cause if you know something, Darn never had no big case after that, after OJ. Yeah, that was it. He's, he's, he could have been thinking this is a way for me to get back on. Or he could have done, he could have did this. I'm a coon. I hate blacks. I hate that nigga Nipsey. I'm going to defend this motherfucker. He he was. You got to think. I mean, like. Because you got to think, when he was growing up, Darden was like a nerd. You know, he's from Crenshaw. You know that, right? Yeah, he, was, he wasn't He was on the side Christopher of Darden is Christopher Darden is from the heart of the inner city. Okay. I mean, so- he's from the heart of the hood. There's no mistake in that, you know. He's from the heart of the hood. But he probably grew up getting punked by people like Nipsey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he, he, that could have been one theory too. That he was just like, you know what, I'm gonna. But he wasn't paid in full. Trust me. No, not at all. He not wasn't paid. All. He, if anything, he was doing a pro bono just to get himself hot again. Yeah. I, you because know he was in the news for a couple of days, but then he had to drop the case because his daughter, who's not a coon was getting death threats online. Did you hear about that 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 sister? Let me see if I can find this video and we'll we'll wrap up pretty soon here. There was a sister that has been investigating the LAPD race soldiers. She was a sister that was that she was investigating the LAPD race soldiers. She was on the Breakfast Club. Let me see if I can find out her name. Let's see here. I I, want to... Basically, she's been investigating, and they've been threatening her, too. They've been threatening her, too. Let me see if this is it. Let me see. Uh, Oh, this is Mayor Adams. Now I'm looking at a video of uh, Coon Adams announcing the robot dogs. He's happy about it, of course. Let me see here. Oh, I found this. African Americans built this nation. You built this nation. You know, you're just starting to get real credit for that. Okay, I don't know if you know that. You're just starting to get, you built the nation. We all built it. But you were such a massive part of it. Bigger than you were given credit for. Does that make sense? Right? African Americans built this nation. You built this nation. You know, you're just starting to get real credit. Now, I've been wanting to play that for like the last eight months. Get your analysis on that. Now, I know he went and got a whole bunch of black folks just to, you know, because he was... He was trying to see if he'd get a few black voters. Most conservative, most conservatives, they really don't care about the black vote. But why couldn't Joe say that? Why, why, why does Joe feel like, why, does, why did Joe, it, it, do you think it's a situation where he just knows his Negroes? Why, why, did, why does Joe tell the, the congressional black con men, why did he say, hey, you shouldn't be disappointed. You shouldn't be saying, you, 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 you ain't black. And you, should, you shouldn't be disappointed. He told him that. He now, said, you shouldn't be disappointed. Why couldn't Joe say that? 
to Joe is a Democrat. And it's, exact, it's, it's like what you were saying about Hillary Clinton, a quote she made a couple years ago, don't promise blacks anything, just show sympathy. There's a script for Democrats on how to talk and deal with blacks. They, they speak very vague. They never say anything definite. And they always show sympathy. You know, and and Joe knows that. So if he comes all the way out and starts saying, you know, I'm going to make sure nothing happened to blacks. And I'm going to make blacks a protected class, this and that. You got to understand, he's going to catch a lot of heat. And wait a minute, you're going you're gonna to make him a protected class, which means the violence against him is going to go down, which means all these advocate groups that are making all this money is not going to be in business. Which means, guess what? Jails are going to have less people. It, it, they, that ain't happening. You know, they're, they're, Democrats hate blacks just as much as Republicans. They just became, they knew how to become allies of, 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 the, of the foundationals a little bit better. Because Democrats know all I have to do is keep government assistance in place keep free medical in place, free and low-income housing in place. As long as I keep them things in place, I have the black vote. Because for every DP, every foundational that owns a home, has a career, I could tell you 10 that are on government assistance for every DP. You see what I'm saying? Now, what about so this here? They know that. Republic Democrats know that. So every... Now... Coming the next six months here, you're going to have a bunch of Democrats running around here in the sewer neighborhood talking to everybody, telling them, well, you're going to have to vote Democrat or, you know, you're going to lose all these benefits. And them little benefits them bums are getting now and little things that they're getting, them white folks are coming over telling them, well, if you don't vote, you know, you're going to lose all that. And, you know, the Republicans are going to come by and take y'all's tents and throw it away and then lock y'all up. So what if I went over there? What if I went over there with a reparations platform and I told him, hey, cut me my damn check. My people built this shit. When they say, oh, DP, you're a Republican. You don't want to vote Democrat. You're a damn Republican. What would they do? Well, if, yeah. What, what would they do if I just came over there, you know, and they just start talking to all the, you know, the people that didn't have nowhere to go or whatever like that. And I basically said, man, no, nah, reparations. Reparations for pay what you owe. Special order number 15 Dawes Act. Pay. So all you talking about all blacks all over America grabbed some tents and just started sleeping outside and said we ain't going nowhere till we get our forty acres in the mill. No, because you know that won't work. You got to make some money, man. You ain't that ain't gonna work. But I'm I'm saying if 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 I okay when if they showed up down there in them little tents and shit like that. And then I just pulled out my little bullhorn when I've seen when anytime I seen a white liberal, I tell him, hey man, cut me my damn check. I need my reparations. Every time I seen them, every time there was a counter, there was a counter offense. Anytime you see some white liberals going over there trying to grub up them some money in carpet bag, and I said, Hey, no, no, no. Pay with yo. What you giving any Ukrainians in Israel? Give me my check. Give me my money. Don't, don't sign this shit. Don't vote. Don't vote for them. If I told them don't vote for Frey Fry, we need to get a we need to we need to get uh independent shop to vote. Hashtag shop to vote. 
Or would the bums just basically say, Nick, get the fuck on out of here. I need my damn SSI check. Right. I want to ask you about this real quick before we close out, because I think this is important. I don't cover the diaspora as much as I probably should, but I think you sent me this article about the U.S. still imposing illegal unilateral economic sanctions on Eritrea. And there's this guy named Yemane Jarib. That's how you pronounce it. Advisor to the Eritrean president, Azias Afriki, explains how U.S. economic sanctions impact the Eritrean people. The Ethiopian army decisively defeated the U.S.-backed Tigray People's Liberation Front in November 2022. Now, before we go on, you mentioned something about Black Lives Matter New York, which really have very little credibility in the streets, if, if at all. They were poking somebody. I'm not going to say everybody there. No, nah, I don't want to put that cast that on them. But some lady is a representative of, I believe it was Black Lives Matter New York. Let me confirm real quick before I go on because I don't want to see BLM New York, T. Gray. Let's see. All right. Yeah. Uh-oh. This sister here. And I think me and you went through hers. I had some feminist LGBT, here it goes, across the culture, hope, and a hiccup in BLM New York's recognition of the T-Gray genocide. Now, here's the thing, and I'm going to let you comment on this, but this woman went over there. I think she went to Eritrea. I don't know where she went, but... She's the co-founder, Siobhan Renee Newsom. When I kind of looked her up, I I got the same vibe that a lot of them, like the Black Lives Matter Foundation, them little lesbian chicks. I got their vibe that they was on that LGBT diversity inclusion crap. So I said, okay, they're, you know, with this T-Gray thing, and I start kind of wondering, like, yeah, you can you can reach out to the diaspora. You can reach out to every Africans, you know, you know other Africans and stuff. You could do that. But the thing is, that's kind of their situation. Foundational blacks, we we're not really you know what I'm saying, we're, that that's not really our business. I mean, it's our business as 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 as, as Africans as as black folk, but really like we don't really know anything about that. We're kind of removed. So that's kind of, that's Eritrean and T-grade business. Like, that's not really for us to be poking our nose and saying, unless we're from that culture, we're not really at liberty to poke our nose in y'all's business. Unless y'all ask and say, hey, man, we need some support. But that's not really our thing, man. Like, this is her talking. Little girls are being murdered. Babies are dying of starvation. And you know what? I'm coming for you, Etria. I'm coming. Your neighboring country? Who is that? Yeah, Who is that, bitch? Man, that's Savannah Renee Newsom, Black 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 Lives Matter New York co-founder. This was some years ago. I've always right. they just choked, they just choked the brother in the subway. Where is she at this? Yeah, that's why I told you they don't New York. Yeah, the thing is, is here, I'll give you guys a brief summary real quick about what's going on. The Tigray people are, are one of the, the three tribes in Ethiopia. 
Okay. The dominant tribe is Amhara, where Haile Selassie is from. The other two tribes are Tigray and Oromia. They make up Ethiopia. The Tigray people at one time were the dominant tribe in Ethiopia, and they raped and pillaged everybody else. Okay. They even fucked with us in Eritrea. Big, they kicked all Eritreans out of Tigray, emptied every Eritrean's bank account in Tigray, took all their property, put them on a bus, and sent them back to Eritrea. Damn. So what you're seeing now is revenge. Okay. For that. So what Black Lives Matter is a lot like Crump. When Crump sees the police kill somebody black, he sees a bag. When Black Lives Matter sees people of color, black people or people of African descent or whatever, being fucked up, getting fucked up, they see a bag. Because here's what you don't, people don't realize. Whenever you see Black Lives Matter, like I've been out at rallies and protests or whatever, I've seen them guys live in action. Whenever you see that guy talking with the microphone, somewhere around there, there's somebody collecting donations. Wow. So they're going to, they're collecting donations on behalf of Tigray. So say they got 10 grand, they might send two or three out there. That ain't shit. They may they get pocketing the rest. So anytime they see something like that, they see a bag. Well, donate, donate to us because we're going to help the people of Tigray. All right, well, here's 100. 20 of that probably goes to them. You know, so it's a hustle. It's a business. So when people hate on the organization Black Lives Matter, I totally understand it. Because they're opportunists. The concept that people have, and a lot of us, especially a lot of foundational blacks, we, the concept, okay, Black Lives Matter, we understand. Okay, you stand up for Mike Brown. You stand up, you stand up for black men that's been murdered by these race soldiers. But the corporation... They found their bag in Mike in, in, in Mike Brown. They kicked it off a little bit with Trayvon. But they found their bag really in Mike Brown. They said, okay, let's really latch on. That's why brothers like, rest in peace, God bless his soul, Darren Seals, was slapping up Black Lives Matter and running niggas like Jesse Jackson out of town down there in Ferguson because he said, wait a minute, we don't, they didn't even know who they were. And I think I played that right. audio for you before. Darren Seals and all of them and like the boots on the ground, they really didn't even know who Black Lives Matter was. They were like, what the fuck is this? So when they showed up and started reaping the benefits off the work of the boots on the ground, the boots on what what happened is, and, and this is how I learned about it too, it was a real COINTEL pro covert surveillance operation. It was really like, think of a nigga running J. Edgar Hoover's office. Think about it like that. It was the new J. Edgar Hoover. It was like, okay, we're just going to find some co-opted LGBT niggas that really don't have no close ties with the streets that genuinely deep down aside don't really give a damn about some black folks. They're just looking for some sexual interracial access, you know, a high position paying in the Democratic Party. They're like niggas like Roland or like this chick right here. So they come down to Ferguson. What they do is and you know, you know, East St. Louis, Missouri, like there's places where people are suffering. What they'll do is they'll be like, Hey, they'll catch a nonprofit or an activist, a boots on the ground. nigga, be like, Hey man, here we go. Some stacks. Let me go. I got some racks for you. I got this for you. I got that for you. And then he ain't never had no money like that. So he's like, okay, well the struggle, I come from the struggle. 
So he you you co-opt him with a with, with a little bag. You see what I'm saying? And and it might be somebody with a little street credibility, right? So you you pay him right. off a couple a couple ducats. And then, you know, you try to see if you can latch on to the family. And a lot of times these black women, when their son gets killed, you know, they can't really work. They're not really working their job. You know what I'm saying? They're trying to get justice for their son and they're really not in the right mind. You know what I'm saying? So that's how people like, you know, the Crumps and the, the Black Lives Matter and all, all of them. What they'll do is they'll they'll show up. They pull up in a Cadillac or something. Oh, sister, you know we care. We all black folks, and you know we really give. You know we we gonna get some justice and stuff. And you know then they'll have you sign some shit. Your you, your son gets is barely cold in the grave. You're really not thinking, but you're thinking like, oh, this person looks like me. I could trust this nigga. You see what I'm saying? And right. you know, Crump is smarter than what people think. Crump catches people off guard. One thing I'll say, like I say, I don't like their tactics. There's a lot of things I don't like about Sharpton and Jesse. They've done some shit for niggas, but overall, I think them niggas are snakes. But they come off like like one of your family members. Like, man, I kind of trust this nigga. He cool. You're looking at him from the standpoint like he looks and talks like you. So you really, he catches you off guard. Then when you listen to Crump, you be like, oh, man, Aubrey. You be like, okay, this nigga ain't that bright. You, you listen to the nigga and you be thinking like he ain't trying to pull a fast one because he don't sound real articulate. But that nigga's smart as a motherfucker. He knows what he's doing. Oh, he's he's very strategic. Very he strategic. He got a law degree. For, like people say, oh, well, Candace is dumb. And I, no, she's not. Candace is extremely intelligent. She knows how to word things and how to get things in, in you know. So... These folks catch you off guard. You're talking to them and you're like, oh man, these real niggas. And at the same time, you're burying your child. You're dealing with all this. You're dealing with the race soldier, white media telling you your child's life wasn't nothing. Oh, your child was a thug. He should have been in school, blah, 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 blah. You're dealing with Crump. You know you probably ain't going to get no justice. And then here comes the Black Lives Matter niggas. Oh man, you know, we going to make sure... Oh, we're here to fight white supremacy. We're here for this. We're here for that. And then six months later, you're like LGBT pronouns, birthing people and all. That. You're like, what the fuck is this? Like, that ain't got shit to do with my son getting killed by these race soldiers. And they start talking about, oh, the patriarchy and oh, oh, men run the world. And this is about feminism and all this. And so you, at the while, you're kind of like, okay, what is this all about? So then now... You take something to start off with talking about the found the murder of foundational black straight men, straight black men, and then you over here in Tigray, Tigray, what do you say, Tigra? How do you say it? Tigray, 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 and you're like, well, wait, wait a minute, what does that got to do with Mike Brown? What does that got to do with Trayvon? Oh, so they hit you with the diversity and inclusion and. It's it's it's, it, it's it, black people suffering. Black people suffering all. So really, it, it becomes an all lives matter. If you're really all lives mattering, black people suffering. But then, I'm listening to this and I'm like, that don't got none. So, so so then I start wondering, like, okay, where is your people from? Where is your folks from? Because, okay, yeah, you can understand everybody around the the African diaspora, diaspora, like genetically, yes, our folks is from the motherland. 
Now, I don't know shit about the motherland. All I know is what was Roots was told and Shaka Zulu and then some of the black folks that I met from Somali and Eritrea here. But I'm saying, like, I don't have no direct connection to it. Like, I'm, I'm literally lost. All I could do is admire it. But you're poking your nose in these folks' business. And I'm like, did those folks ask you? Because I don't believe they asked you to show up. Here you have this brother here. I, like I'll tell you, bro, I haven't, and the internet, one thing I love about the internet, there's a lot of cap on the internet, but the internet has archives, bro. I ain't heard this woman not one time say nothing about this brother in the subway station, bro. Nothing. Right. Because she's probably been delegitimized. I'm going to play a little bit she's more. looking for a bag. Looking for a bag. I mean, this shit, I, I, like I say, bro, I, I don't, I don't, hold on, let me see. Let me see if I can find this. Where, where's it at? I just had it playing. Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I like to go down memory lane. Dare you, a historic place of religion, the first mosque. How could you loot? May God have mercy on your soul. You people are monsters. This is your ploy to silence people? 4.5 million people? are starving, humanitarian aid is at the borders, and no one can get off their ass and make a way? Oh, you need to talk to Joe about that. See, that's my whole thing. Like, when when, when, when Koala and Joe got in the office, they were bitching and belly aching, talking about, it's been 35 days, and the Biden administration hasn't responded to us, because see, they promised them niggas to get a meeting. They probably thought they could get a Black Lives Matter consulting fee. You know what I'm saying? And Joe Brady should have said, nigga, I'm in office. I know my Negroes. <laughs> right. I know my Negroes. Joe, that's one thing. Joe knows his Negroes. He's like, man, I I'm I'm operating off of the the crooked Hillary playbook. Don't promise you Negroes anything. Don't follow up. Just say you understand. So they were belly aching about him not responding and all that. And that's but the thing is, we told them niggas already. Black folk, we told them niggas, man, they ain't about to respond to y'all. And, and guess what? When he had that little meeting with the Congressional Black Caucus, I always love to play that shit on this program, bro. He said, you shouldn't be disappointed. You need to work with the Hispanics. So he's pretty much telling black folks, hey, man, shit, Brown is the new black. Work with them. Don't talk to me. You got me in here. You didn't want Donald. You know I signed that 94 crime bill, nigga. He might as well have said that, bro. He might as well have really told them niggas, like, yeah, I signed that 94 crime bill, and I ain't apologizing. He doubled down on the two, fam. He doubled down. They Because they asked him one time. They said, hey, do you, what do you think about, do you apologize for signing the 94 crime bill? He said, no. He said, I don't apologize for signing that bill. In so many words, hey, I came up on a strong Thurmond. Strong Thurmond was a staunch segregationist. All the people that mentored Jim Crow Joe were segregationists. They were the same people, bro, that was fighting against King and Malcolm. And they didn't, you know what I'm saying? Like, they didn't want separate but equal. They wanted to make sure that niggas was pretty much back in chains. They were the same people. That's who mentored Joe. Judge Joe Brown broke that down. And he been telling niggas that. Hey, man, this nigga Jim Crow Joe, he said he don't want his kids going to no jungle. <laughs> Mm -hmm. I don't want no kids going to my dog. You work with the Hispanic. You ain't black. And niggas went out and yeah, said, oh, well, 
the skull, the sky is going to fall. Oh, Teflon Don gets in, the sky is going to fall. The sky is not going to fall. Like you said, they hate they hate blacks just as much as Republicans do. It's the sky's not gonna fall. He's, he's if Don gets in, he gets in. About right, and then BLM, BLM has to understand that. Hey, all of them are a lot of them are homosexual or whatever the term is. Right. Pig Ryan would kill them if it was homosexual out there. Really? Hell yeah! You ain't gonna run around in no fruit booty. I mean, excuse my language. I didn't mean to say that, but you know, you're not going to walk around like that. That's their culture. You're going to die. That's their. You're going to die, or you're going to be. Uh, you're not just going to live. Like, oh, he's just a gay man. He's just going to live. Or oh, he's a guy and he wants to be a girl. Oh, that will get you killed. So, so that's the law of the land there. Now, being gay, if you're like rumored to be gay, but ain't nobody seen you with nobody or nothing. You, you you'd be all right, I guess. But if you one of them open gays, and you know I don't give a fuck, and I'm gay, and I'm gonna just be gay, and I don't care. Are you getting you're getting locked up? So so and so okay. Now Tigride, that's the tribe in Ethiopia, not Eritrea, right? Yeah, Ethiopia is made no. Ethiopia is made up of three tribes. Okay, okay. The Amharic tribe, the Oromian tribe, and the Tigride tribe. What year? The tig- so those three tribes battle constantly. And Eritrea was the fourth tribe in Ethiopia. We beat Ethiopia and became our own country. Now, what, Which is what those other two tribes are trying to do too. What year did Eritrea become its own country? 1991. Okay, so this was recent. This was in the last 30-some years. Oh, yeah. When, we, we, when, when, when the Tigray tribe took over control of Ethiopia, they terrorized everybody. And then they said, all Eritreans that are living here in Tigray, you guys got to get the fuck out. Whatever money you got in your bank account, that belongs to us. Whatever property you own, that belongs to us. Get the hell out. Here's a bus. Here's a couple buses. Get the fuck back up, back to Eritrea. We don't want you here. We're, we're going to seize all your property too. So now, let me ask you this question here. So this is equivalent to what's happening in South Central or Chicago. No different. Mm, no, it's 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 like uh, it'd be it'd be like white people getting their revenge. It'd be like black people all over America just starting to beat the shit out of whites. But are, is there any benefit? Are they are they saying? Hey. Yeah, no, there's revenge. So it's not reparations. Eritrea went over there. Eritrea went over there and damn near wiped out the whole region of Tigray for revenge for what they did to us years ago. Now, did they get their property and stuff back or was it just? Nah, I mean, it's all been washed, but I mean, they fucked their shit up. So basically it was more like, I'm going to kick your ass. Now, see, keeps yeah. talking about people being starved and raped. Well, what's all that about? Well, you talking about, they're talking about the prisoners. Oh, okay. So when okay. they went over there to Tigray and they started locking people up, yeah, but I mean, they were starving them, and there's no, you know, rights when you're in prison in a third world country man. like you that. Get, you know you what I mean? Yeah, you get your country taken, you <laughs> shit. It's just like And then you got to understand, wars out there, out there, wars are in the in the city. So the Eritrean soldiers were just knocking on random doors, just shooting motherfuckers. How I don't do condone know, it. I'm saying, how do they know? 
do, do the people I'm saying can you look at somebody and say that nigga's a tig ride or he's no but no you can't not really kinda but you know where you, what region you're at they know where they're at they know they're in the tig ride area so all these niggas is tig ride we're gonna knock on these niggas doors we just start gonna pop motherfuckers okay so I'm from the lows I'm gonna go right to the highs nigga you are in the highs I know yeah. who you is Okay. I'm knocking on every door, and I'm just shooting whoever opened the door. Okay, okay. Now, yeah, I'm when they shooting were... whoever opened the door. If a couple of these bitches look cool, I'm going to run through them real quick. No oh, man. Okay. Yeah, well, well it, I mean, that's war that's in Africa. War. Yeah, that's, that's yeah, war. Yeah, the wars man. are in the... That's why African people, for the most part, are real hardened people to certain things, because they grew up seeing war right in front of their eyes. At any time... The opposing military could just knock on your door and just start ranting, blah, 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 start firing on motherfuckers. Now, my question is now. So, what the Black Lives Matter is, they don't know the backstory to it. They just see black people being hurt. Oh, we can get a bag off of this. Yeah, because if if she's not telling, because here's the thing if she's not telling the story that you just told me, she doesn't know it. She's not looking past what she's seeing. Well, then that's that's no different than what the white liberal does typically. Come in and say, oh, yeah, uh, you know, uh, uh, patriarchy and, oh, diversity and inclusion. Like, Hold on, nigga, reparations. Oh, right. oh, oh Just well. like if you look at the rioting, you know, and you didn't know the backstory, you would just say, man, these people are just cannibals. What are they doing? But if you knew the backstory, you would say, oh, it makes a little more sense. Like, Whatever, and you know, is, so the Black Lives Matter, they didn't care about that. They just, once they see black people being harmed, they know they can push the sympathetic button, get some rallies going, and get a few dollars. Like, whenever I hear a guy tell me, I debunk him every, every damn time. It's real simple. Oh, well, you're hurting, you're destroying your own community. There ain't no such thing as a black community. And then with me and you, we, we use it interchangeably. Like, we'll say, inter, you know... But when I hear white people talk about, well, you're you're burning up your own community, they they're not really tripping about that because you no, got to keep it. They don't give a fuck about that because when white people start burning up communities or burn, burning shit up, like you go over to the Gophers game over there over Dinky Town, them motherfuckers burn and push over cars and all kind of shit. So that's all cap. Um, when, when and when when I hit them and I tell them this, I said, what community? Oh, well, your own community where you live in, you ain't got no community. I said, we had a community. Y'all burnt it up. It was called Tulsa. It was called Rosewood. There's no such thing as a black community. We have a black population. Yes. But whenever I hear a black person, whenever I hear somebody white, anytime you hear a white person say black community, that's a cold word. That's a dog whistle. That's basically saying, hey, you Negroes is acting a damn fool. You're not happy with the conditions of race soldiers fucking you over and you decided to tear some shit up. Because the thing is, is most of the people that have have business of any consequence um, in the so-called black community is usually Asians and Arabs. It ain't really, it ain't too many niggas. So, and they got insurance. And I know this may sound kind of, you know, but it's kind of like, okay, whatever. Y'all, y'all motherfuckers been carpet-bagging and money-grubbing niggas for, for, for decades. So it's like, okay, you got insurance, whatever. But black folks, if we owned one 
if we own one or one half of the community that they say call that they that they so call say we have, we wouldn't have a lot of these issues anyway. Because the thing is, we would have our own little defense systems where we start coming up. For example, there was no such thing as the highs and the lows in Tulsa. If you did some of the things that they're saying that some of these niggas did. You couldn't even be in the neighborhood. I remember my pops used to tell me, you couldn't be no vagrant. I said, what do you mean? He said, you couldn't be no bum. Growing up in the um, in the 60s and the, you know, the 50s and shit, like, you couldn't be no bum. You couldn't be, right. you couldn't be no woman talking about, oh, I'm a single mother, and, you know, and I ain't got no husband and shit like that, talking about you going to the church, and I ain't got, oh, no, hell no. No, 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 no. You couldn't, you couldn't just be no, no, you, you had to be somebody with an occupation. You you could you just couldn't be a bum. Now, after slavery, and another thing I want to tie into that, after slavery, when black folks fought for slavery, uh, special, specifically the Seminoles and the Maroons that was tearing up the military, you got to see that documentary. I'm going to send it to you in the next couple of weeks called American Maroons. Foundationals was tearing up the I mean, it got to the point where Andrew Jackson didn't even know what to do. The Seminole Maroons was out here tearing, tearing an asshole in the damn, um, in the U.S. military that they never told us about as kids because they wanted us to think that, you know, we was just on plantations and just receiving ass whippings and all that. The Maroons was tearing shit up, whooping ass. When black, that's why slavery came down. Slavery didn't come down because white people just felt bad about it. If they could have kept it going, they would have kept it going. It was it, it was a lot of monetary. It was very monetary. There was a lot of money involved. But you know they seen that these Seminoles down in Florida, and that's why I say that's another reason why Florida has a lot of hatred for blacks because the Seminole Maroons down in Florida was fucking off the U.S. military, and they really didn't know what to do with them. You see what I'm saying? So, um, when slavery finally came down, they they passed all kinds of other laws, Jim Crow laws. Jim Crow was a quasi-slavery. So they're like, okay, we these folks built the country. We can't send them to Africa because they're not from Africa. This is a new Negro. Yeah, their people came from Africa, but they're three to five hundred years removed from whatever tribe they're from. They're not even African anymore. That's how the I'm saying that I'm just thinking of, I'm just telling you that's how the race soldier looked at it. The race soldier yeah. looked at it like, okay, these niggas ain't African. These are foundationals. These are Seminoles. These are foundationals. These are these are people that really made the United States for what it is. They made the United States of America a world power. They created everything that the United States has. They're not African anymore. They're a new nigga. And we made it that way. And it backfired on us. Okay. What could we do? Jim Crow, black codes, peonage. Like my pops told me, he said, you couldn't be no bum. They would actually send you to prison for not having a job. There was a law right. where they called it. Women know what I was just saying? They'd send you to prison for not having a job, but the way they would, the, the race soldiers, the way they would do it. See, you're doing it like, okay, nigga, you need to get, get on your shit. You want to see a nigga saying, hey, look, if you don't, you don't want to do nothing. Um, you gonna have to sit up in this cell. They would, but they was doing some shit like, okay, you don't want to be a slave sitting in this cell. The crime is you being a black person that's not a slave. 
So you're like, okay, wait a minute, slavery is illegal. But as I told you well before, slavery went all the way until the 60s. A lot of black people don't know this either. Slavery, they had black folks that were still on plantations in Louisiana. I went down to New Orleans last year with my wife and kids. I walked around on those fucking plantations, fam. I looked at this shit like, how the fuck did these niggas survive on this shit? It's It's 105 degrees. You're living in the worst conditions ever. You see what I'm saying? And working for free. You know, working in turpentine plantations and not just cotton fields, but a lot of times the, the plantations I went to, they did work where it's not just hot outside, but they're working with molasses and um, uh, uh, I think it's cocoa plantations or not. It's it, 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 I forgot what it's called, but it's basically you're, you're, you're out in the heat and you're working in hot environments, not just the heat, but you're working amongst furnaces and shit like that. And it's very, very dangerous. Um, so after slavery, they were like, okay, well we can't necessarily import slaves from Africa anymore. I think that started, I think that ended in the mid 1700s. I believe people were still doing it. You know, white people were just doing whatever they want to do, but I mean, it wasn't, it was against the law. You see what I'm saying? So like the last, the last African that came over, there was a brother named Barracoon. I think that was in the mid 1800s. If there's a book called Barracoon where he talks about that, like he was one of the last imported slaves. I mean, he was, he was black, but he was like African. Like he was, you know what I'm saying? I don't know how to explain it, bro. He like, he, he still remembers being on that boat. Some shit kind of like that. You see what I'm saying? So, um, he was one of the last people that came on the boats and was like, Hey man, you know, they, they took me from, they took me from, you ever, you remember, remember roots when we used to watch it at South bro. Yeah. Do you remember Fiddler? The Fiddler. Yeah. Right. Okay. Now remember when Kunta, Kunta kept talking about, okay, I'm Kunta and Fiddler kept telling like, nigga, you in America, you ain't Toby, you ain't Kunta no more. You ain't no King. You nigga, use a nigga. Use a nigga, use a nigga slave. You down here in America. You a foundation on that. You ain't African. Don't speak that African shit no more. You're going to get killed. And Kunta kept telling him, no, I want to go home. I want to be free. And Kunta told him, he said, man, I, I wish I, I wish how I knew. I wish how I knew how an African could be free. Because you got to think. Fiddler had probably been in America. That's all he knew. He didn't know nothing about right. Africa. You see what I'm saying? So his his maybe his his ancestors might have came maybe the late 1600s or the 1700s. So he don't know shit about Africa. So when Kunta talking about, oh, I want to be free and I was a king and I was all the he was like, nigga, what the fuck is that, nigga? You nigga, you a slave, nigga. You Toby, you owned by Master Mo right here, and you ain't never gonna be free. So you know, so he's looking at it from the standpoint like, okay, I'm old, I'm in a, I'm in a retirement phase. I co-sign for you, Kunta. I co-sign for you. So if you run away, nigga, I'm gonna be out. I'm not in the big. I'm not in the big house eating cornbread and eating fine, have wearing fine clothes. I'm gonna be out in these slave shacks. So my job is, I, I vouch for you. I told him. I told the master to buy you at this, at at this auction, and I will train you to be a nigga, to be a field nigga. And here you is talking about you want to run away and you want to be free. So, you know, Fiddler 
was kind of like, man, fuck it. All right, man, you want to be free African, be free. You know what I'm saying? So I, I, I'm going to make it to where, but you remember, you remember in Roots, bro, where they show that, where Kunta was like, he was trying to run away. And then, and yeah. then, and then Kunta was they like, he cut his foot off. But even before that, remember when he, he caught Kunta, Kunta had like a, Kunta had like a, uh, I think he had like a, uh, a hammer or something. And he was beating on the chain. Kunta was oh, beating. Man. Yeah, he was beating on the chain and he got free. So he broke the chain. And when Fiddler came in the scene, he broke the chain. Remember, he slapped the fuck out of Kunta. Like, what the fuck is you doing? You you you, you know what I'm saying? You you gonna get us killed up in this bitch. And he kept trying to convince Kunta. He was kind of telling him, he was like, bro, you're a slave. You're a slave, nigga. You ain't you a foundational now. You ain't African. You ain't never gonna be free. You're never going back home, and you gonna get us killed. Fall in line. And remember what Kunta told him. He said, "Man, I just want to be free. I want to go home." And then right. you know, and then Philip was like, "Man, well, you know what?" Kunta was like, "Why don't you come with me?" And then remember what Fiddler says, Louis Gossick Jr. He said, "Man." He said, man, you know, I'm too old and it's too cold. I, I never remember that line. He said, I'm too old and it's too cold. And he said, and Kunta said, well, I love you, Fiddler. And he hugged him. Kunta, now, Fiddler knew what was going to happen to him. Fiddler knew, like, okay, I'm going to have to tell the master that this nigga ran away. So Fiddler knew that he was, you know, going to get kind of a foot in the ass for that situation. You see what I'm saying? But Fiddler wasn't a coon. See, that's that, that's yeah. the difference. Fiddler wasn't a coon. He he didn't really have the the history of Africa, but at the same time, he was like, okay, I understand. Yeah, I'm a slave. We probably ain't never gonna leave this plantation, and there's really nowhere to go. But Kunta wasn't born in 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 America, so he still had that African spirit. Like, okay, I'm not used to being no slave. I'm not no. I'm not a. American, I'm African. I don't know how to be a slave. So he had to learn how to be one. And Kuntu and, and, and Fiddler was kind of showing him like, I'm trying to show you how to survive. You're not going back home anytime soon. And eventually Kuntu, you know, he adopted Toby and said, okay. But he always, that's why he always told the story. He said, okay, I always long for home because this isn't my home. But as we seen many, many years later, is that the first Americans were Africans. Now, yeah, we use the new term foundational so folks can't try to remix it. But the thing is, is like before Christopher Columbus came, you had Africans that had been traveling back and forth between the Americas for hundreds of years. Now, people will try to dispel that. But the thing is, is there's a lot of white archaeologists that have documented that when they came here, they seen people that look like me and you. They didn't see people that look like the so-called red Indian down there on Cedar Riverside. No disrespect right. to them. That's not what they seen, which means that Africans had been, there had been people that was on those boats when Columbus came that were translating. Okay. So if you're translating, how would you translate language to somebody if you hadn't already been there? If, if I come to a foreign land, bro, like, if I go to Eritrea right now, I'm pretty sure there's people that speak English, of course. But let's just say, 
let's say let's just say I just pull up, I get off the plane, and I just go in there, and I go somewhere where don't know, ain't nobody speaking English like that. Let's say it ain't a tourist spot, and I just walk in the neighborhood, and I start talking. They be like, okay, this nigga from America. What is this nigga doing here? Where are your people from? Somebody might have some questions. Where are your people from, bro? Oh, I ain't got no people from here. Okay, what are you doing here? Are you a spy or something? Like, what, what are you doing here? Oh, well, I'm just here. Nah, nigga. You, you didn't just jump on no $3,000 flight just to show up in this village. You know somebody or somebody sent you here. Okay, so now, if I came to America and I'm on the boat with Christopher Columbus and I'm able to speak with the people that are already here, and Christopher Columbus didn't know where the hell he was going. That's that's further proof that I had been here and had other conversation with these people before. At some point, I knew the language. We're speaking the same language. I'm the translator, which means that I've had to have conversations with the inhabitants here. Thus, foundational black America. People think, oh, yeah. well, hey, you were on a slave boat and then you built them. And no, 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 no. They're, yeah, they... they got niggas on a slave boat, but there had to have been black people already here in certain parts of America. Had to be. You have pyramids that look like ancient Egypt. You have, um, somebody had to have come here. Somebody had to have come here. I don't, I don't believe they taught us in school, bro, that all of us just got on a boat and somebody forced us to come. And that's not true. Somebody, you know, in order for Columbus to get here, he needed us. So there was black Moors that was on that boat. It's, it's you know, the, the first Americans was Africans, man. That's, that's, you know, but yeah, like, got getting way away from the subject. Let me close out. But yeah, bro, like, uh, yeah, yeah that, that part when we watch, and, and you got to think how long it took. So get back to this lady. That's why I asked, is she from here? I think she was a foundational. I start to I start to even question that because the thing is, is if you look at a lot of the folks in that movement, if you look at a lot of the women, if you look at a lot of the women that most of the Black Lives Matter founders, they're not foundationals. Them folks come from immigrant backgrounds, so they really they don't really, they don't really give a fuck about us here in America. Now they may play that no. that part. They might be born here. Most of them, believe it or not, a lot of them are adopted by white parents and stuff. It's a kind of, it's a situation similar to that dude that got killed over there about down the block, the shot through the through the doors and the kids. Like you, you have, you'll have situations like that. They're raised by white parents. They don't really have any, um, they don't really have connection to the soil, and then what they'll start doing is they'll start using this old, they'll start saying, Oh, well I'm an immigrant and my parents were immigrants and stuff like that. But some of those folks didn't even necessarily even were born in their homeland. Their folks is from there, but they might have white parents or whatever the case may be. And then they'll get the wagging their fingers about to, 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 to foundational saying, well, Oh, uh, they'll, they'll use the, the typical democratic party, I'm an immigrant card. What that's really for is to undermine the reparations claim. 
So they'll say, well, oh, I came over here as an immigrant and I work hard. What's up with you lazy-ass niggas that's been here for 400 years? They'll, that's kind of the, the, the narrative that they use. I would say that's it's a divided... DP. Yeah, go, yeah. DP, I got to head out because my phone is only at 1%. It's getting ready yeah. to die. I'll edit this up but and it was we'll a great show. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It we'll was do a it great again. show. We'll do it again. You got man. it, brother. All right, man. Take care. Peace out. Peace.